Good morning, everybody. It's your Friday night DM, Shay Cormack speaking from New Zealand. It's very early this morning. It's uh, dark in the sky, but it's clear and frosty, and it's a beautiful start to the day. And there's a new beginning for my D&D as well. Please forgive my uh, horsey, froggy throat, uh, but I've been recovering from a cold for the last week. Well, I'm starting a new open table. And before I begin, I'm just gonna give a shout out to my current group of players who are all very supportive of this idea. And I'm looking forward to taking them along um, on this journey with me. Um, so thank you to all my players. And not just my players really, they're just the other people at my table um, or around the digital table. Anywho, we're all equals and uh, they're not my players. They're just my friends um, who play with me and DM for me sometimes too. Anyway, that's a convoluted way to say that uh, I'm starting a new open table and I'm taking the opportunity to um, kind of reboot my podcast and begin describing um, the process of starting an open table, planning and prepping a hex crawl and everything you need to start a open table West Marches hex crawl um, from scratch because I've only just began uh, the preparation process and so I thought I'll start making my podcast right now and I'm going to talk you through the process that, I've, that I'm following um, so you can learn like intricately how to do it and also learn from my mistakes and some of the, the things that I'm going to do and uh, so this first episode is about the concept of running an open table so I'll definitely describe to you what an open table is, how it runs, what you need all of that kind of thing um, and tell you why you should give one a go. So um, an open table is a game of D&D that anyone can come and play in and they don't have to have uh, commit to playing any more than one session and I didn't come up with the idea of an open table uh, it's been floating around for a while I think it originates um, with a blog post on um, the Alexandrian so if you are interested in this topic it's well worth going to the Alexandrian it's a blog uh, that has some of the most um, significant and um, bed the bedrock articles that um, cr create the foundation for how to run an open table and a West Marches hex crawl. So it's a great resource and uh, extremely intelligently uh, thought out and written and communicated ideas. So an open table. In comparison to, let's say, what you might call a closed table, a traditional D&D um, campaign might comprise itself of one dungeon master and say, on average, four players. And those five people get together, maybe once a week, they play for a few hours, and they just keep getting together week after week, and the campaign might go on for six months, one year, two years, three years. Um, but it's generally it's the same group of people playing every week together and there are a few issues with that uh, one is if someone can't make it you probably have to cancel it if two people can't make it you definitely have to cancel the game and so um, the, the scheduling uh, of players becomes a real issue um, also uh, from my point of view one of the problems with it is it makes it hard to um, recruit new players because sooner or later you know if you're playing a campaign for over a year someone might have a life change like maybe they have a child and they can't play as much D&D uh, or maybe they move to another town and you've lost a player now that can be really disruptive to the storyline of the campaign but also it's a it's a challenge to replace that player but if you're always if you're running an open table um, it overcomes some of those issues and a whole lot more. An open table means um, that people who are interested in playing D&D can give it a go without committing to an ongoing campaign. So, you know, they just have to commit to giving it a try um, and not 
like committing to like some kind of six month, one year long, two year long campaign. So it makes that, that initial buy-in from a prospective player um, really, really low. So they can easily come along, try it out. If they don't like it, they can go, go away and not come back. If they do like it, there's still no commitment to come every week. They can come and play, and then when their schedule permits, they can come and rejoin the campaign uh, at any time. So you end up uh, meeting a whole lot of new people because uh, more people that are just a little bit interested in D&D will come and give it a go, and you start building up a, a, a larger, let's say, roster of friends and players who are interested in the game, um, which means you're going to more consistently have people sitting around your table with you having fun and that's a wonderful part of the part of it and so uh, for from my mind that's a great way of building the hobby and building the hobby community in your local area and if no one's building the hobby um, on that personal level introducing people to the game and developing them as players and hopefully you know developing some of them to and helping some of them to dungeon master as well then we won't have that kind of ever-growing number of um, players and potential friends um, in our communities and slowly this game will wither away and uh, you know you might feel comfortable right now that you've got your four friends who come around every week and play with you but sooner or later life circumstances are going to mean one of those friends is going to drop out and it'd be nice to have a whole lot of friends um, that you're not reliant on one particular <coughs> person and I have met some really awesome people that I never would have met otherwise by having my open table in the past and I want to continue that on and also just build up the hobby um, in, our, in our area. So, um, that's why I want to do an open table because I want to run a game every Friday night. Um, I don't want to be held hostage by um, everybody else's schedules. Um, and have to cancel games when people can't come um, and I want my players not to have to feel um, like they must come every Friday night you know if they want a week off for just no particular reason or they've got another event on they don't have to say no to that other event they can just miss a week it, it doesn't matter it makes the whole thing a really free and easy it's a, um, a lot less commitment and just fun it's a lot, le lot more fun um, now, how does an open table work? So traditionally it might be um, done that the players uh, would maybe say they have a forum or a Facebook page, uh, a, a group of players would form on the, on the page saying, hey, we should have a game on Thursday night, who wants to play? The players would uh, you know, negotiate amongst themselves until they've got a party of players that want to play on Thursday night and they've got an idea of what mission they'd like to do and then they would message me as the dungeon master and say hey are you free on Friday night to run a game for us and I'd be like oh yeah sweet but I do it a little bit differently I run a game every Friday night and through a Facebook group page um, where everyone joins onto uh, I announce the game um, and as an event and everyone can start RSVPing I don't really have a limit to the number of people who can turn up um, so you know a lot of times that can be maybe seven or eight players um, if it gets much more than that, maybe I'd have to put a limit on it. And we just play on a Friday night. Now, some of the other things you kind of need for an open table are what kind of adventure you're going to be playing, what kind of system you're going to be using. And I'll just tell you really quickly what, what I'm using and why and how it fits into the, uh, the idea of an open table. So an open table means that someone could turn up for one night and participate in a meaningful segment of play that has a start and an ending and they could continue to come back every every Friday or maybe every second Friday or every third Friday and every time they can be engaged in one segment of play that is a like a little section that works by itself um, but as a whole the whole thing kind of comes together as one big um, adventure. Traditionally there's two ways, two types of campaign that you could run for this. One could be what's called a hex crawl um, where the party um, move around an overland 
map, um, exploring and adventuring. And traditionally that would, uh, and the other style would be a mega dungeon where there's a very large dungeon underground um, that the players can delve into exploring and, and fighting monsters and getting loot. Both of those um, types of adventure are also linked with another concept called the West Marches, um, and which I was going to make an episode of all for itself, and I probably still will, but suffice it to say, a West Marches campaign means that at the beginning and end of every episode, or every section, or night of play, the players return to a safe place. Think about uh, a lot of TV shows um, where at the end of every episode, everything kind of returns back to its starting place. So every episode starts at kind of a, like a normal, you know, the, the normal everyday life of the, the family or whatever that's in the sitcom. Um, some crazy kind of adventure or funny thing happens throughout the episode. And by the end of the episode, everything's resolved. Everything's back to normal. And then next week, the next episode starts from that kind of normal baseline. Well, a West March's campaign is very similar. For example, the, there might be a city, which is like the home base of the party. And whoever turns up to play, they venture forth from the city, have an adventure. By the end of the night's play, they return back to the city. The game ends. Next week, the city is still there. Whatever players turn up, whatever characters are there to play, they venture forth from the city, have an adventure, return back to the city. Similar with the, um, the mega dungeon, you might have a city or some kind of starting point in the dungeon. Maybe it's at the top of the dungeon, they've got a campsite there, and whichever players arrive on that night to play, they delve into the dungeon, explore it, get loot, fight monsters, and by the end of the session, they return to their base camp and then they continue again the following week. So uh, an open table kind of needs that West Marches uh, concept employed in it as well. And so the game I'm going to be running is going to be Hex Crawl. Uh, so there's going to be a starting location on a map, and the players are going to be able to move out of, about the map, exploring and adventuring, finding dungeons and other interesting locations um, to delve into or adventure through. Uh, monsters to fight and loot to gain and then return back to their um, starting starting town. We're going to use, Dunge use Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition because it's the most popular um, product on the market and a lot of people are using it. Um, most of the people that I interact with have the resources, have the books or to play it um, and if someone was going to join our group It'd be so easy for them to just get on to DD Beyond or some other website and uh, create a character or access resources. Or, you know, if someone was going to spend 50 bucks in New Zealand money uh, to buy one book to engage in the hobby of role playing, you know, it wouldn't be a bad idea to buy the DD 5th edition ha um, player's handbook. I mean, it's, it's going to gain you access to probably. 80% of role-playing games that are being played um, in the region, um, it's a pretty good investment in terms of how much you're probably going to be able to use it instead of trying to use um, some kind of much more niche system where someone might buy the resources to play it but find that you know my game's the only one in town that uses that, that system and that if they want to go and play any other role-playing game with anybody else they're probably going to have to look at buying some more resources. Um, so we're going to use 5th edition it's simple, it's generic, um, it works well, um, and it's easy to, to modify from my perspective. Um, we're going to play the hex crawl style. Um, character creation is an, an important thing in an open table. It should be kind of easy and quick so that a new player can do it without too much problems. Normally I have some pre-generated characters that people can just pick from, but I also have the option for new players that if they come a half an hour early, Either myself or one of the other experienced players will, is normally there half an hour early and can easily help someone create a character um, in that period of time. Another concept that's key in an open table is having like a default action. So in a hex crawl, if the players don't know what to do, if they can't 
think of something interesting to do with their characters. The default action is to move to the next hex on the map, the next area of the map, and explore it. So it kind of drives the action forward all the time. There's no analysis paralysis of like, oh, we've got this this continent to explore, what should we do next? And everyone, you know, doesn't know. All they, at the end of the day, they just have to pick a direction and move in that direction and see what happens. And uh, you can do the same thing with a mega dungeon. In a mega dungeon, the default action is to move to the next room and explore it. Um, some of the other interesting things that you kind of should be thinking about with creating an open table is having regenerative, regenerative uh, content or expandable content. Um, one of the joys of, a, of having an open table in this style is having less preparation time for the DM. So um, having random encounter tables is one, is the, one of the keys for this, that um, as the players adventure around the, um, the map, the dungeon master rolls on random encounter tables to see what happens. So instead of having to pre-prepare encounters and ideas, the dungeon master plays with everybody else and, and doesn't have to put hours of preparation into uh, joining the game. So like there's less commitment for the players, there's less time commitment for the dungeon master as well. Normally I spend a reasonable amount of time before the campaign, campaign even begins creating some content so I've got some mini dungeons and one page dungeons and encounters already organized and set up that can be called upon uh, throughout the campaign and then during the summer season while we're playing this campaign I'm sure some weeks when I've got a half an hour or an hour free I'll create new content but a lot of the time a night's play won't won't even use the content that I've created because because of the random roles on the um, encounter tables and the decisions of the players, they'll create an adventure with, with that synergy of their decisions and those random results on the tables. And so we may not even use a dungeon uh, or any content that I've specifically created. We'll create it at the table. So you want to have um, easily expandable content, so it's easy to create new content, and regenerative content. Now this is easiest to describe in terms of a um, mega dungeon. If you've got a dungeon and the players go into the first level of it, the lowest level, sorry, the, the, the shallowest level of the dungeon and they kill all the monsters there um, and then they go back to their base. And what you can have is what's called a, um, a dungeon restock table that you can roll on. And so that next week when they come back to that same dungeon, well, it's not just still empty, some other monsters have realized that this area is no longer infested with whatever monster, you know, maybe it was filled with goblins and you killed all the goblins. And in the meantime, while you've been back at, at your base resting up and, and enjoying yourselves, uh, the local gnolls have realized the goblins are all dead and they've thought, oh, well, we'll go and live there. So now you go there the next week and it's full of gnolls to fight or might be full of gnolls. Um, maybe no one took it over. So um, it just keeps creating more content and more play for the players without having to create whole new, whole new dungeons and create co uh, content from scratch. Again, you're using tables to generate, um, generate the content. And, you know, and when you roll on the table and it says the knolls, you know, it's now filled with knolls. Well. Either the dungeon master maybe makes up a, a story in their mind real quickly about the the gnolls and the goblins have been at war for decades, and you know the gnolls are super happy um, that the goblins have been killed, and they welcome the adventurers with open arms because uh, they've slayed the the goblins and they allow them through the territory of this um, shallow level of the dungeon without being molested because uh, they just like the like the heroes. In fact, they give them. Um, special weapons or bless them with sp special powers uh, for their service you know so the dungeon master can quickly come up with an idea based on the result of a random table or maybe the players the players turn up and they see these gnolls here and they're like what the hell's up with these gnolls what's going on this is some kind of gnolls conspiracy um, I think the gnolls are trying to take over the land 
And the dungeon master's thinking to himself, yeah, the gnolls are trying to take over the land. And, you know, next week you design a knoll king and he's got a base somewhere, you know, and now you've created content based on the results of random rolls and either synergy with the player's ideas or decisions or with some kind of just spark of inspiration that comes to the dungeon master based on re-rolling dice. So I've probably covered a whole lot of stuff, um, a whole lot of different things, scattershot around the place about what an open table is, uh, what you need to have for it to be successful and uh, why you should have it. Um, but ultimately, I want to run an open table because I like having fun on Friday night playing Dungeons and Dragons. And I want to have friends and new friends sitting around the table having fun with me. I know there are other people in my area who haven't had a chance to try out Dungeon Master, uh, Dungeons and Dragons and who I haven't met. And I would like to meet them and give them a chance to play Dungeons and Dragons, um, let them join our circle of friends um, and have some fun together because the more the merrier. You know, I just want to share a little story um, as well about why it's so wonderful to meet new people and make new friends and why hobbying, um, in particular Dungeons and Dragons, can be so wonderful for that. This week, our game of Dungeons and Dragons didn't happen because a few people couldn't make it. One of the people who couldn't make it uh, make it was due to their car breaking down and they messaged us about an hour before the game started and said they couldn't make it their car broke down had a trailer on it one of the other people in our group uh, messaged them back and offered to lend them their car which had a trailer on it uh, sorry a tow bar on it and before you know it um, they dropped off their car to this other person um, helping them out in this situation now these two people hadn't known each other um, maybe oh, six months ago, seven months ago, they hadn't met each other before and uh, they were just only met through um, coming to an open table of D&D where they got to meet each other, have fun together um, and now we're part of it, you know, we're a small part of each other's lives, uh, you know, every week we get together and share share snacks and have a good laugh which is a wonderful service to each other already in there but there are other social bonds forming um, between the people at the table and you know it's just really awesome to see that happening so I'm going to give another shout out shout out to Serena for being awesome and helping out Andrew the other night and uh, there's probably no better reason for us to skip a game of D&D than for um, the players helping each other in real life. So um, please keep coming back to my podcast guys because I'm going to try and do it at least weekly at the moment uh, describing um, <coughs> how I'm creating the content for my hex crawl so you can follow with along with that. I think that when I started this podcast a year and a half, two years ago and I kind of went through the fundamentals of um, open table hex crawls I really did um, give the information. This time I want to go through it again, maybe a bit more long-winded, I don't know, uh, but more the actual um, process of creating the content and doing everything. So um, please keep coming along. Cheers, guys. Good morning. It's your Friday night DM, Shay Cormack speaking. And uh, this is the second podcast in my new series documenting the creation of uh, open table West Marches hex crawl that I will be um, unveiling in the summer here in my uh, city of Upper Hutt, an open table where new players and uh, just players that need a chance to play can come and sit and play uh, with very little time commitment and uh, sorry for the background noise I'm walking on the main road so in the previous episode I discussed um, the concept of an open table and I'm definitely going to go into um, more detail um, and have an episode about um, West Marches more specifically and another um, episode more specifically about 
um, what, a, what entails a hex crawl. But uh, this morning I would like to talk about theme. Uh, theme for your hex crawl. I think it's a great idea to have a very generic fantasy setting um, for your open table game. This way everyone just brings, uh, everyone playing at the table kind of brings that mishmash of genres and um, expectations and the books they've read and the movies they've watched that have been in that fantasy genre. They bring all of that kind of mishmash of ideas to the table with them and we have this very generic um, setting in front of us and we can start kind of injecting flavor into it. Um, there's a phrase sometimes used to describe this type of Dungeons and Dragons. It's called vanilla. Um, it's plain, um, it's flavorless, but there's a lot of opportunity, which gives a lot of opportunity for embellishment. Uh, so generally I would tend towards that. But also when I have been setting up, just going back a moment, one of the other advantages of using a very vanilla um, kind of setting is a very generic setting. As I mean, you can take um, products and content created by other people that have also been made quite, um, quite generic intentionally so that they can be um, put into any type of system or any type of game. You can take those other generic products and work them into your game so can, continuing to reduce your preparation time. Um, so in my previous hex crawl um, I bought a couple of different packs of um, pre-made encounters. I also used a lot of one-page dungeons from the one-page dungeon competitions um, and a few other products that I actually purchased that were extremely generic and I could just slip in um, into the, the setting and they didn't really affect anything or disrupt anything. They were easy to add some additional flavour to um, to kind of make them fit in with whatever was developing as a theme in our setting. So I really recommend um, going with that kind of vanilla generic setting idea. Um, but I also have been going with a theme. Normally in my previous hex crawl, the, the theme I had was, I just had really one, was that there was an unending winter in progress and there was some some force behind this un in, in unending winter. And I guess another strong theme I had was the, the a theme that uh, the goblins in the area were actually the original inhabitants. Uh, so they were like an Aboriginal tribe um, who had been pushed aside uh, by the incoming settlers, basically all the other races uh, that had come. And so we explored a little bit of racism and race relations um, through the setting and there was always this this winter and blizzards and snow to contend with and th that was like a springboard that enabled us to kind of develop other ideas as we went this time um, the idea I've got is for a, a a setting that starts off with the players playing as young children as children at the age of 10 or 11 and so that's begun to inform a whole lot of things about my um, my work of creating the setting so first of all was the fun of like setting some parameters around character creation um, you know obviously these characters are gonna have very little hit points very little proficiencies very little equipment um, and everything it's informed so much because now I've thought about okay they're starting their starting town will be a small village they're all children so I'm starting to think about um, when they might be able to go out for adventures what time frames they have I've I've changed my scale of my hexes from being six miles per hex to being one mile per hex because I'm thinking about children are probably going to um, move for less distance away from their from their home base um, maybe because they've got limited time maybe because they've got smaller legs but even if they do travel quite a distance having one mile hexes is going to create more of a sense of um, moving a long distance you know because um, in a 
my last hex crawl on average a party might be able to move 18 to 24 miles in one day so and that would be three or four six mile hexes now if these kids for some reason just went on a straight march for all day they could probably do something similar like 18 18 miles in a day it's a pretty big march for a kid um, maybe they could do 12 mark, uh, 12 miles but in a six mile um, hex map that's only two hexes it doesn't seem like a big adventure to move two hexes away from your um, your starting point but if you have to move 12 hexes away um, that seems like a long way away from home so it I'm taking that just that little idea of a theme um, and using it to inform other decisions I decided I wanted to have quite whimsical almost fairy tale-esque type adventures available for them um, I'm a really big fan of um, Tutoro and a whole lot of the Studio Ghibli um, anime movies which are pretty much like Japanese folk tales um, and, and so I wanted to have uh, maybe a sense of that kind of thing like magical um, adventures for, for young, ch you know, young children uh, who are just about to reach their teenage years and um, they just discover interesting things and I want it to be less about, to start, at least to start with, with ha hacking this and slashing uh, through groups of monsters and more about discovering amazing things and dis discovering interesting things about who the characters are. And uh, if that doesn't work out in the long run, we can always do a re reboot, which is something um, that I also discovered in my previous Hex Crawl. Uh, when we got tired of the characters we were playing, or through play we discovered another interesting facet of the world that we were playing in, we would just reboot. We would make new characters um, for this new part of the world we discovered, and continue our exploration of the world and of the and of the story that was um, happening in it. So we're going to start off with these children characters um, and explore around an island. So in the past I've done a, a large continent, it was huge, um, but this time I want to start with an island so it's a little bit of a, uh, a, a space that's limited, but like I said we can uh, travel to the mainland at some point as the characters grow up um, and get into some more meat and potatoes D&D uh, fantasy play, uh, killing monsters, stealing their loot, wearing big pieces of armor and you know magical equipment and all that stuff we can we can move on to that but I, I really wanted to try out this whimsical style first and I was very uh, blessed because uh, the players, my friends who play with me on a Friday night currently, not only are they supportive of my idea of opening our table up um, to the locals um, but also I messaged them a couple of days ago and gave them a brief outline of the the style that I want to pursue the setting um, that I'm thinking about creating because I didn't want to go through all the work of creating it um, if they were all going to turn their noses up at, at it uh, straight away and they're all really supportive and uh, so I'm looking forward to that and I've already began uh, working on some of the adventure locations um, that they might uh, go to and um, I'm going to start working on the map and stuff soon as well and so I'm going to talk those those things through with you as I do that. Um, I've really covered what I wanted to cover uh, this morning I think. Just a short and sweet one. I would just recommend when you're making your hex crawl think of one or two strong themes that you want running through the background of the setting. Um, they don't necessarily have to engage the player's um, attention, like uh, the players could ignore them completely, but it puts something, it dangles out a hook there for the characters to be interested in and involved in and push the, and push the play. I felt like with my previous hex crawl, uh, which was called Icebound, that never-ending winter and the suspicion that it was caused by some dark forces would always give the players a motivation to try and solve the winter. You know, not only would they have the default action available um, of 
moving to the next hex and exploring but they'll probably have in the back of their minds all the time look this winter really sucks it keeps um, you know when there's a blizzard we nearly die maybe we should try and solve this winter thing so I, I, I think having some kind of motivation um, out there in the setting for the players to engage with if they would like to is a good thing um, and I sometimes treat that as like a front now there's a I will just dive, maybe maybe I won't go down that uh, that rabbit hole but uh, I thank you guys again for your listening I just want to direct your attention to another wonderful resource I learned all about um, hex crawls and how to run them from a great guy called Jason Hobbs he has a couple of podcasts the most important one in regards to this is his podcast called Hex Talk and uh, if you find that that's a short series of podcasts there might be six or seven six or eight um, podcasts that really delve into the mechanics of how to run a hex crawl he also has two other podcasts one is called Random Screed uh, which is more like a daily vlog of his, uh, sorry, daily podcast, just more personal. Uh, and also another podcast, Hobbs and Friend, Friends, uh, which he interviews uh, game creators uh, in the RPG scene. So big shout out to Jason Hobbs and all the help and inspiration he's given me over the years. Go and check out his stuff. It'll be well worth your time. So thanks again, everybody, and I'll bring you another episode really soon. Good morning, it's your Friday night DM, Shay Cormack here. Thank you for joining me again on the second uh, episode of my new season, which is um, documenting the creation and the journey of starting an open table hex crawl in my um, garage on a Friday night, so that the local players and uh, those that haven't played before can have an opportunity to come along and try out D&D with very little um, commitment. This morning I'd like to speak about a setting theme, a theme for your um, game that you want to run as an open table. And uh, there's two main things I've got to think about and talk about with you in this regard. First is the concept of um, a vanilla setting or you could say a generic fantasy setting. It's a great idea to have a very generic setting to start with because one of the goals of an open table and a, and a hex crawl is what's referred to as emergent play. So we're going to be relying on random tables to determine um, what happens when people travel around on the map and random tables to determine what monsters they meet and what the disposition of those monsters are, whether they're friendly or unfriendly. So we can have strange things like happening like the first time you meet ogres, they're very friendly people and you end up making friends with the ogres. So then you might have a whole story arc that starts to develop where the ogres need your help for some reason because the next thing you meet are the elves and the elves are very unfriendly and it turns out the elves are attacking the ogres and the poor old ogres need help against the elves. So we want to have this emergent play coming from the results of the random rolls on the tables and the inspiration that the players and the dungeon master uh, take from those rolls. And so we need a, a generic setting that's just a blank slate uh, for these emergent ideas emergent storylines to develop from. Having a vanilla setting or a generic setting also makes it really easy um, for the players to engage in because we've all got such a mishmash of um, fantasy genre books and movies and ideas and games already in our brains that we can come to a really generic fantasy setting in it and our brains kind of paint onto um, that blank canvas the pictures and ideas and, and themes that we carry within us. So it might look a little bit different in each person's perception, but having that, that very bland um, setting will allow everyone to come in and participate um, in a kind of equal way. 
Also another benefit of having this vanilla setting is you can purchase content from other creators or find other free content from other Dungeons and Dragons creators that's also quite generic and easily um, set, put it into your setting and this is going to reduce your amount of workload for creating um, dungeons and adventure locations and NPCs and other encounters for your setting because you'll be able to outsource that to other creators and um, there's, a, there's quite a lot of quite bland or generic um, stuff out there for you to purchase or to get access to because some of it's intentionally made especially kind of in the old school scene intentionally made so you can grab it and fit it into your setting once you have um, got extra content from other creators and added into your setting if it's vanilla it's also really easy to color that in with some of the flavors that are developing on your table so as i said maybe you've met the ogres turns out they're nice guys persecuted by the elves and you buy um, some product um, from another creator about elves um, and so but it's elves who are fighting uh, some kind of traditional enemy goblins or something like that and you just take out all the goblins and substitute them for ogres and you find the the NPC, the elvish npcs in the adventure who are noble good guys and you just change them to be horrible bastards and now you've taken this product that was intended uh, to be quite generic um, and about a different type of thing and you've just added the flavor that you've discovered through the emergent play at your table so there's some really great advantages to playing with a, a vanilla setting but I think it's a great idea to add one or two themes um, to your setting they might be in the background um, or maybe one of them is quite upfront and um, aggressive and confronting to the players I think uh, doing this is good for a couple of reasons I'll start with the kind of background idea as a dungeon master you probably have a, some themes and ideas that you would like to that you find interesting that you would like to try out and so this is an opportunity to just inject a little bit of your flavor into the game because no matter how generic you want to make it a lot of this is going to be flowing out of your imagination your motivations and desires and so run with that find what's interesting to you that you want to pursue in this that you want to the situations you want to put the players in and see how they react to so that you can all explore some kind of question or theme uh, so in the case of the hex crawl that I'm putting together for this summer I want to, to start with at least um, pursue the theme of childhood adventures so we're going to have characters that are starting off as um, children around the age of 10 or 11 um, and we're going to have starting adventures in the in the area close to their village that they live in that are quite whimsical folk tale-ish um, more about discovering magical and interesting uh, things and and characters and also discovering more interesting things about your own character um, than the traditional just hack and slash and, and stealing loot so yeah having some kind of passive background theme uh, that you can always keep coming back to explore is, is a cool idea and then there's the idea of having a, a more aggressive um, in your face theme that really is going to grab the attention of the players and give them something to deal with so I haven't really decided what that's going to be in my current hex crawl there may not I may not go with this but in my previous hex crawl that theme was a never-ending winter so there was a never-ending winter with blizzards and snow all the time and the characters whenever they were adventuring around the landscape they could quite easily get caught in really bad weather the weather was always poorly um, which was always a detriment to them but it could become extremely bad and life-threatening 
and I felt that gave the players an extra motivation to confront whatever the source of this never-ending winter was. So they would have, um, I've talked about in the previous episode, the idea of a default action. If the players don't know what they want to do, at the very minimum they can go to the next hex and explore it. But also, the players now have another default motivation. We hate blizzards. We're pretty sure there's some kind of evil wizard behind this. Let's find him and kill him so we can get rid of the winter. And of course, you know, they'd meet farmers all the time who were lamenting the fact that their crops were perishing and their stock was dying and, uh, you know, they were going hungry. So there was this motivation to figure something out. Um, and I thought that was really good. And I, I'm probably going to, as I begin developing more of my setting at the moment, I'm going to look for something striking um, about some of the ideas I come up with. And maybe there's one of those ideas that I can really turn the volume up on, you know, and make that a really important um, part of the setting, something that's going to confront the players quite early on. and. Um, you know, maybe um, that could be some, some design of the ultimate enemy they're going to have to fight at the very end of the campaign or, or at least one of the minor bosses that they'll confront in the next several months or who might continually plague them as their nemesis. Something along those lines. I'm not too sure. Anyway, that's, that's two ideas I've got about um, theme for your setting. Having Having a generic um, vanilla fantasy setting with a couple of themes involved in it that you've of your own creation. Um, one of those themes may be very aggressive in, a, um, in the faces of the characters. I've got to say I'm really lucky um, to have a group of friends who play D&D with me on a Friday night who are not only supportive of the idea of, our, of us opening up our table on a Friday night to other people in our community to come along and try out D&D, um, whether they come for a short period of time or whether they become regular players with us. They're supportive of that, but they're supportive of the theme um, that I would like to pursue um, at the start of this hex crawl. Now, just because we start with a particular theme doesn't mean we have to stick with it. Um, we can move to another area of the map where this theme or these things aren't in effect any longer. We can reboot um, and start with new characters in the new area of the map and pursue different ideas and themes. So we don't have to be completely married to this theme, um, but I wanted to get their approval before I put some work in because I'm going to create a reasonable amount of content around the theme that I've decided on and um, I didn't want to do that if my favourite players, the, my long-time players, that have been hanging out with me if they weren't going to enjoy it. I wanted something they were going to enjoy as well as something that um, new players could enjoy. So I asked them and they were all supportive of my idea. So I'll tell you quickly about the theme that I've got so far. This is more like the passive theme in the background of the setting and I'm still looking for that aggressive theme that I might be able to put in as well. So the theme I'm going with is the Players are children, age 10 or 11. <coughs> they live in a small village on a moderately sized island. So there's a limit to, to their, how far they can explore at the moment. Later on there'll be options of either taking ships or whatnot and leaving the island uh, for either other islands or, or the mainland. But we've got a smaller space um, and smaller people and smaller adventures. And I, that's the main idea I had. And I'm starting to let that um, idea of having l little children um, begin to infuse all my decisions about the kind of um, adventures that I'm creating um, for them. And uh, I really want it to be folk tale-ish or fairy tale-ish. Um, I was, about to, I was about to say, think about The Witcher, um, but a lot less bloodshed and a, you know, a lot less um, scary and deadly. Um, but also, the, the, one of the real uh, motivations I want to take 
uh, or inspirations is I love um, the movie Totoro and all of the Studio Ghibli movies that have come out of Japan in the well, they're decades ago now, but really classic anime that explores um, the, the end of childhood, um, the end of innocence, uh, the clash between um, the old ways and tradition and nature clashing against uh, new ways and technology and progress um, in a real fairy tale-esque kind of way, folk tale-esque way. So I want to try and create adventures along that theme and I really hope it works and I hope the players are intrigued by the fantastical um, imaginative ideas that they encounter um, and the responses that their character evokes in their characters um, and the wonderful w ways of progressing their characters that I've got in mind for them. So that's what my ideas are. Now I'll leave it there because I just want to stick to one topic but before I go I want to tell you about a great resource and a wonderful person, Jason Hobbs. I heard about um, hex crawls originally from uh, just some comments that Jason Hobbs made on his uh, main podcast which is called Hobbs and Friends, well worth checking out where he interviews uh, content creators for D&D, especially kind of the old school style of D&D. Uh, but he also has two other podcasts, one is called Random Screed which is a daily kind of podcast where he talks about his personal life and gaming and the most important podcast in this uh, in context of this podcast is his other podcast called Hex Talk and that's a wonderful podcast it's a series of about eight episodes where he and two others delve into a lot of the nitty-gritty of um, how to create and run a hex crawl and it's well worth checking out and I'd just like to personally say to Jason, I hope he listens to this, uh, that I really appreciate his influence in my gaming life and in my personal life too. Thanks Jason, have a great time everybody and I will talk to you again soon about our next topic which is probably West Marches or hex crawls.